Welcome to Coffee and Change. I'm Bill Kirst. As a business professional, a U.S. veteran, a lifelong learner, and an active listener, I help others navigate, understand, and adapt to our ever-changing workplace and world. As a third culture kid, I call many places home. Presently, Seattle is where I explore my creativity through the power of words and images. In this podcast, we journey with our guests, gaining knowledge and inspiration from their stories. After the year or two we've had, I would say it's time to create a lifestyle revolution. And so would my next guest, Natalie Labonte. Natalie shares her story and passions to help others discover what happens when they let their body, their spirit, and their spaces do the talking. With a blend of the ancient and the dynamic, Natalie's talents bring the wisdom of feng shui and biophilic design to her clients who often never think of the power of place and space the same again. Enjoy the discussion. I'm so glad to hear that. Well, um, I'm excited to chat this morning. Um, and, yes. um, I mean, it's so interesting cause you know, when we talked before it was, we were all like, we had this great hope of like on the vernal equinox and, and it's so interesting because right. even that shift of energy, I think that's one of the things I felt was it was all of this buildup and this shift and this movement. And of course your body is tired. Right. Yeah. Um, but one of the things I also noticed and, and would love to get your thoughts on, like we just had this full moon this past weekend. I think it was it Saturday or Sunday. It was it was very early morning Sunday, but it yep. may have even actually I can tell you the exact time. It was at 1148 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on Sunday. Sunday morning. OK, so that makes yeah. sense to me because the night before and we may have talked about this the night before a full moon, I never get any sleep. Yeah. consistently. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like tossing and turning and it was interesting because it was such a clear sky where I was, um, in the desert in Palm desert and the yeah. stars were incredible and Orion's belt and Sirius and the moon. I mean, it was just all incredible, but I knew I wasn't going to get any sleep the night before. <laughs> and sure enough, I did not. Um, now it's interesting now, because we're not now, it's Tuesday, so we're a couple of days after. I slept great last night, like mm-hmm. a couple of days after the full moon. Yes. I sleep really soundly and just deep, deep dreams, very vivid dreams. So I'm starting to like think that there's something to that. <laughs> I I do go through the same something very similar, and it, yeah, Saturday night I did not sleep well. Mm-hmm. Um. But Sunday, Sunday night I, I did. And last night I did as well. And what was so interesting about the buildup to this full moon, I, I, on Friday, I had like three epiphanies in a row 
of just different um, illusions Mm -hmm. that I had been holding on to. And Mm -hmm. that was, it was so funny at the beginning of this month the I pulled the eight of swords, which was, yeah. And and it was like, you know, there definitely was like these self-imposed limitations and like looking through, peering through the veil Mm -hmm. in some form or another. And I, you know, I'm like, oh, how, how interesting. I wonder what's going to come up. And this month, it's just, I feel like it's been continuous, but Friday it was like, boom, boom, boom. Like I just, what's really interesting is I drew a card for this morning's conversation. I drew earlier this morning and you won't be surprised at all as to what the card is, but it's the high priestess. Ooh, I love it. Um, (laughs) And it's just so interesting that, you know, you talk about like the illusions and the veil and um, yeah, I was just kind of looking at this before because it was interesting. I, when I pulled it, I thought to myself, okay, well, like what's coming up for me. And, and similarly to you, like you were saying, it's this aspect of like, there's something hidden. Um, There's something hidden that sort of needs to be needs light. Right. And, and I yes. think what was really interesting for me when I went down to Palm Springs, um, I found myself, interestingly enough, it's like, you know, I have a different relationship with the sun these days because I don't like to like bask in the sun like I did when I was younger because mm-hmm. it's just not good mm-hmm. for your skin. Right. I also know that I've got a dermatology appointment coming up on Friday and I didn't <laughs> want to like go into the dermatology and be like, why are you burned? Um but I did find myself at night uh, enjoying the starlight and the moonlight. And mm. um, I find it really interesting because this aspect of like, what's the inner change that you're going through? Like from this card I was reading about, you know, um, what's the inner change that has to take place before it, ma- it can manifest in, in your outer world? Um, mm. And that you're in a position to take advantage of the inner knowings um, but you may want to remove yourself literally mm-hmm. from your day-to-day life to go deeper into your inner core, to tune into your inner voice and your spiritual awareness. And I just thought it was so interesting because that analogy of the, you know, standing quote unquote in the sunlight, is not going to show you what you need and what you want, what you want, but it's going to be under what is quote, what normally people would consider the darkness, but you're actually getting a different source of light. And it goes back to what you and I were saying, which is what the night before, Full moon, we're not sleeping. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> so, anyway, I drew that card this morning and I was like, here we go. I love it. So, oh, um, well, let's jump in, Natalie, because yes. um, we are going to talk about all sorts of stuff, the great work that you do um, in the world to help people. So, I guess where I'd love to start is just have you describe what it is you do. And then the other part of that is kind of like, and who you are in that, because a job is a job, right? And we met through obviously a networking forum and there's things that we do, but there's also the people that we are that informs what we do. So I would love for you to kind of describe that and then we can let the conversation wind in a mystical way from there. I, oh, that's, that's such a beautiful approach. So, well, I'm an intuitive life coach and, and feng shui consultant. So... <laughs> For me, I 
have been on this incredible journey since 2014 of, of awakening. So, so back in June of 2014, I went through what I can only describe as a spiritual awakening. And I really was prompted to go on this journey of deep self exploration because I recognized that the way I was perceiving the world was not working anymore. I was working in a corporate job that just wasn't, I I, I was my own worst enemy, (laughs) truthfully. So once I started diving into these deep, mystical waters of like, who am I? Like, who am I cosmically? Who, why am I here? And how am I perceiving the world? Like, this isn't serving me any longer. How can I be a conscious creator in my own reality and, and really create my own operating system, if you will, and, and make that shift. So I've been on this incredible journey since that point which that is what has led me to, you know, really stepping forward and claiming myself as an intuitive life coach and feng shui consultant, because I firmly believe in helping people live their absolute most divinely abundant life and tuning into these intangible facets that we have so often not recognized and honored in ourselves, we see as separate or even non-existent. And so really recognizing this connection between ourselves, like our minds, our bodies, spirits, and our spaces is of the utmost importance to me in leaving a legacy of love, which is like my ultimate goal in being here in this lifetime. That is indeed powerful to hear. There's a couple things you said that just really kind of resonated with me that I'd like to to um, pick up on there. One was you said, I'm designing my own operating system, or you, you knew that you wanted to design your own operating system. My first question is, how did you know that? My gosh, where, where do I even start? I mean, when I went through this awakening back in 2014, the first place I started was I knew that there was a reason that I was here. I just didn't know what it was. And, but then I felt called to look into energy, right? And so then I can remember really still, and especially in my corporate job, feeling like in a victim mindset of like, why am I here? You know, this is the worst job ever. And I had actually a tarot reading with a friend of mine. And what came through, I believe it was the two of swords. And, you know, she's like, you're at a cross point where you can either keep pointing the sword at yourself (laughs) or you can turn it forward and conquer on. And, and that was a huge wake up call to me. And from there, she actually had recommended the four agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. And such a great book. (laughs) That book changed, that changed my life. And that's what made me start to shift how I was perceiving the world around me because I was making it all about me when in reality it, 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 it wasn't, you know, the things that were happening, you know, with other people, 
um, I kind of had to take that step back and look to see where can I make this shift? And then where I'd say like the operating system, you know, verbiage really came into play was several years later when um, I was undergoing, I actually, I had like a, I did a meditation and and something just came through um, of, of really leading people and helping people create their own operating system. And then simultaneously, I was participating or I was about to participate in this new coaching course, Intentional Creativity Coaching. And that was the like one of the premises, which was actually mindfully like, like tearing down like all the facets to your current operating system and rebuilding in a conscious way because we are shaped by so many things around us from our parents from, um, you know, our education, society, culture as a whole, the government that has shaped us to behave and perceive the world in certain ways and recognizing that we don't need to live in this default anymore and we can consciously create. Yeah. I think it's, it's interesting that you also said, um, earlier you as part of possibly as part of the seeking out a new operating system, you started seeking the intangibles. So for for those listening that may not really know what that means and might be kind of in this similar awakening, how do you find the intangibles? I mean, by definition, they're not <laughs> graspable, right? Like, <laughs> right. You cannot, you cannot um, hold them or pull on them Sometimes they're invisible, sometimes they're mm-hmm. sacred, sometimes they're mystical. What what were some of the intangibles for you and how did you get to them? So I would say the first piece of that is being curious and knowing that you don't even know like a drop of everything <laughs> because I, I think when we can surrender and recognize that there is a great mystery that we are our human minds like sometimes it's it's so hard to fathom and and heck for me it's still not fathomable but when you can just be like you know i'm curious i'm curious to start exploring and seeing what are these you know potent possibilities around me that that is the first key so from there, what really prompted me in, in exploring these intangibles further was also meditation. And I would say for anyone first starting on this, this journey, guided meditation is really powerful because if you've never meditated before, it can be very challenging to turn off the chatter that's in your brain. Because if you think about it, we have this script that is playing in our head incessantly, like about what happens throughout the day and kind of how, again, how we're perceiving the world around us. And when you can recognize that and, and really allow yourself to focus just on one thing, and that's really what meditation is, being wholly present to this moment 
that is so important. And like a meditation can even be walking, walking outside and really taking in mindfully everything around you from like the, the sensory aspect of listening to the birds, witnessing the sway of the trees. How do your, your feet sound as you walk? So really that's just, that's presence and guided meditations can also be so powerful because it gives you this, it helps you to just bring your focus to that present moment and to just allow yourself to surrender and flow and see where your mind's going to go. So that's how I recommend first starting out. Yeah, it's interesting as you talk about that, I can already kind of feel the difference in my body. And and one thing Mm -hmm. I'll just sort of forewarn, usually when people start talking about this aspect of things like the mindfulness, the stillness, the different frequency, the way that we can really tap into, mm-hmm. um, the technology doesn't keep up. So in the event mm. that either my side drops or yours drops, <laughs> don't worry about it. Okay. That's perfectly acceptable. <laughs> we can reconnect. And the reason I say that is because what's, what, you're, what you're hitting on is the fact that there is, again, these intangibles, mm-hmm. this part of us as the, as the human body or the, or the mystery that is the human condition, that actually the ones and zeros can't quite keep up with. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a I had a call years ago with uh, a woman who um, who is an astrologer, astrologist, I should say, mm-hmm. does a lot of um, cosmology as well. She's a brilliant, brilliant mind, and I was actually featured on her podcast years ago. And there are parts in the conversation. This is when I started tuning into it, Natalie, mm-hmm. where for all intents and purposes, the technology kept up fine. But when we went back to listen to the recordings, entire packets of the digital transmission dropped out. Wow. And it was when we were getting into discussions around what you were just sharing, um, the, the, the ability to sort of stop and listen inward, to go deep, to feel differently. Um, and so I say that from the standpoint of usually when we get into some of that more higher realm stuff, the technology mm. can't keep up. So mm-hmm. in the event that one of us drops, no problem, we'll just join back in. That yeah. just means we're overwhelming the circuits. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like that's like what we're here to, like in a way that's what we're here to do. I mean, we're here right. to to change the way humanity has yep. been operating as a whole. So I agree. I, I That's so happened to me in the past. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you go back and look at it, yeah. it's really... It's, it's quite an indicative pattern, in my opinion, Yeah. where there are technologies, there are operating systems, there are things that allow us to connect. It's great, right? We're connecting on one coast to the, to the other coast. It's awesome that we can connect. Yeah. And still, there's a, there's a, there's a limitation to it. Um, and and I, that's what I love about the aspects of things like the four agreements or even taking your taking yourself to a place where you are starting to view the realms differently. Yeah. And maybe unsubscribe from the scripts. Mm. And, you know, the, the analogy that, that a, a very wise teacher gave me one time was what is the app you're trying to design? Mm. And more importantly, how, how often do you give yourself the ability to update that app? So, you know, like on our phones, when we have the, 
the apps and we know there's an update, it's very simple. We just go to the app store or whatever, we hit update all and it just pulls down the latest, right? And it's got the release notes and it tells you what are some of the greatest features. One of the questions she asked me, this teacher was, how often are you updating your app? Meaning you and this app that you, this OS that you would design for yourself. And I said, I, I don't know. And she said, well, first of all, what would that update even look like? Like, where do you go to get that update? Mm -hmm. How much time do you need to get that update? Is it a is it a large update? Does it require you to do a restart on the phone? Sometimes they do. These are all kind of reminders to us right. that we too should be afforded the same care, attention, yes. cycling, refreshing, updating. Yes. Um, and, and I think that's where people are starting to tap into it through some of the work that you're talking about that you mm -hmm. do in the intuitive space, but also in the way that people design their spaces. Yes. And I would love for you to talk a little bit about this as well, because one of the things we talked about, which I was so fascinated by, and I want to make sure I get the term right, is it biophilic design? Biophilic design, yes. Yeah. Can you touch on that a little bit as well as some of the feng shui work that you do as a, as a consultant for people? Right. Yes, absolutely. So my my primary piece is, is, is feng shui consultancy. And Really what that is, is attuning to the flow of good fortune within your life. That That's as simply as it can be. And the beautiful thing about it is that, again, you're allowing yourself to be a conscious co-creator in your physical reality, mm -hmm. within your home. And really... Our homes, I look at it as like an infinity symbol, like you affect your home, your home affects you. It's a continuous ebb and flow. So recognizing that our homes actually carry energy. I mean, it, that's been scientifically proven that everything, let's go down to the smallest, you know, molecule and atom, like that's, it's energy. Mm -hmm. And your home is comprised of that, right? And so really honoring that relationship, honoring the fact that yes, this tangible piece, also there's this intangible aspect of like, of knowing that there's a flow within this space and that my home is actually not only picking up, you know, physical clues as to who I am um, and, you know, patternings of myself too, but then I can actually use the home as a tool, like as a, a living vision board, if you will. Yeah. An infinite, an infinite vision board. Yeah. 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 Because, you know, within Feng Shui, we actually, we utilize the Bagua map. So the Bagua map actualizes the nine important facets to living a thriving, bountiful, fortunate life. And I think it's like so important because we, a lot of times as humans, like we tend to focus on the money and of money, like the wealth and abundance squad is one of the nine guas. Yes. But there are eight other guas. There's eight other areas. And I think it's so, it's such a good reminder to take a step back and look to see how am I nurturing all of these facets of myself so mm -hmm. that I feel the most fulfilled that I possibly can, because you can have all the money in the world but if you aren't healthy, if you're not allowing yourself the space to do spiritual exploration, 
if you aren't nurturing your, your family and relationships as you should be, the money doesn't matter. You have to, you have to honor and know that those facets are equally as important and that your home can actually help create, you know, miraculous circumstances within your life to help, you know, enlighten those areas like your life purpose. Yeah. I mean, I think what really comes to mind for me as you're talking about this is I am also almost riveted by this conversation because we've never spent so much time in our homes ever in the history of our generation (laughs) as we have this past year. So when you're, when you take what you're just placing there and saying, look, our, our, our home spaces are not only these infinite canvas, yeah. Um, you know, they kind of serve as this spiritual and physical mandala, if you will, in, mm-hmm. in ways in which we not only protect ourselves, right? Because the four walls of protection, the roof of our head, yeah. how we move through them. Mm-hmm. But one thing I think which is really powerful, what you talked about is like the family element mm-hmm. of this. Um, you know, it's it's the living embodiment of an ecosystem that is your your immediate family. And I'm curious in this past year, in the work that you've done, and, and the, probably the, the work that you've also learned and explored, ha- have we experienced a pivot point in, in this kind of consideration for what the home is, how we design it, how we move through it and how it nourishes us? Because frankly, we used to go to different places mm-hmm. to get different nourishment. Um, and now I think the inverse is happening because yes. we're spending so much time here. So I'd love you to expound upon that, given your expertise and your background. Absolutely. I, I yes, I would. I would definitely say people are viewing their homes in a far different lens because now it's become the space where not only are you nurturing. Um, you have these aspects to nurture your own solitude, to nurture your your family relationships, um, your spirituality, all of these facets, right? Um, nurture your health, but now it's the place to nurture your career for yeah. so many people. And I think many folks now, they aren't necessarily going back to work in the office or they're going to be in a hybrid state. For, for some time. So people are looking to see where can I, you know, create um, a space that allows me to both live and work in harmony. And I just think that to me, I've been working from home for like, oh my gosh, I, almost seven years now. So thankfully I kind of was a pro <laughs> already. Yeah, wasn't, you were ready for this. I was ready. I'm like, oh, I was made for this and I'm an outgoing introvert. So I I genuinely love like being at home and having my, my home space. But so many people, it, it, that was a shock to them. Yeah, shock to the system. It was a very, it was a big shock to the system. So I think it's so important to be, have grace with yourself, have compassion for yourself, have compassion for your home and the way it has been because it's needing to also shift to the the new demands of our reality. 
And now we can actually take this time to say, okay, where can I consciously create the space that I need to go? Because as humans, we're, we're always evolving and our homes need to evolve with us. That's so, I, I'm so glad you said that because, you know, it's really interesting. Um, tomorrow is the first day that I'm going to be able to go back into an office. Oh, wow. Now I'm not required to, but we're kind of doing that phasing thing that different, you know, parts of the country are doing. And so I'm able to book a reservation to go in. And I ha- honestly, I have to get some stuff out of my office mm-hmm. um, and, and probably bring it home because it's been there for over a year. I don't even know what's left on the desk that I was using. And there's this really interesting kind of dichotomy of emotion that I'm experiencing, Natalie, about this, which is one, I actually feel over the course of time, I've gotten to a really good place in my home mm-hmm. and in my current work setup. Now you can see here that obviously, you know, I live in a two bedroom apartment. It's not very big, but the, the evolution of what began, you know, those first couple weeks or months of the pandemic, I was working at my uh, kitchen island. Um, so, you know, on a stool at the island and I had things like, which I go back and I'm pretty fascinated by now, the the things that I used to uphold my laptop were books, but I was actually very selective about the books that I was choosing <laughs> to be the, the lifting force of my laptop. Hmm. They were all books and uh, they were all history books. Now, granted, some of them were probably chosen because they were quite big and, and thick books and they gave you the, the height, but- sure. I went back and looked at an old picture and I had this, this realization that all of my work was literally standing on biographies and history. And I, and I, whether that was intentional or unintentional, I thought it was just a fascinating realization that <laughs> here I am at my kitchen Island, I'm working on this laptop and creating intellectual property that is all digital in nature but what's actually holding it up and allowing me to be productive is biographies of leaders and history, moments in history and episodes of history. And then I think as I evolved, I started realizing, well, I can't take over my kitchen. I can't, like, this is not sustainable. So then I was like, do I move to the dining room table? Well, it became this really interesting give and take. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people have experienced this in their homes, which is, how do I, how do I protect the sacredness mm-hmm. of where food is made, where meals are made, which meals are sustaining us and meals are made together. And how do I protect the space that is where we come together to share the meal and all of the beauty and magic is that is that. And how do I get to be the income earner? Right. I knew that I needed to make some different investments and some different choices, but that required a whole different kind of energy. If you remember those early days of pandemic, which most people do, we were we were so focused on just staying alive, just staying, possibly some of us staying working. I think so. We didn't really have the energy to think about well, what decisions would I make if I were to invest in new furniture or a new location? I just didn't have the bandwidth. I was too tired, and I didn't want to make an erroneous investment or decision. And I got to a place where I eventually said, okay, I'm going to carve out that time to think about 
if it's not at the kitchen island and if it's not at the dining room table, where could it be? And I actually invested in a stand-up desk, which is made of all wood. It has no, nothing is, nothing is um, drilled in, nothing is, it's all just sort of like puzzle pieces, um, all natural elements. And I found that really interesting that I, that I was drawn to an all wood, uh, sorry, there's a truck going by, um, an all wood um, structure that just snapped into place like a puzzle. It was not invasive. It was not, there was not gonna be any drilling. There's not gonna be any hammering. It was just smooth. And I thought, well, that's interesting. And then where I placed it was about as far away as I could from this, the place where we make meals and eat meals. Then I had to start a whole different relationship with, with what's around me. And we, you can see we moved art into different places because I realized that I needed things like, okay, yes, there's windows behind me, but I needed a picture of, you know, a place like Ireland behind me. I needed, um, a picture of a lantern in different ways of light. I needed, you know, it, there's different things that I found I needed in my space, even though I don't look at them directly. I look at them through a camera. I look at them through a reflection. And that whole thing is fascinating too, because we wouldn't design our houses full of mirrors, would we? But we're essentially moving in the world like we're, like our house is designed with mirrors in this way of that we're, we, we connect on technologies like Zoom and, and, and other um, video conferencing technology. So it's a lot to say, but I just, I don't think I'd ever really kind of put that together. The evolution of moving from a kitchen and or dining space to do work into creating a space in a home that to your point has brought me a lot of creativity. It has brought me boundless levels of creativity that I don't think I could have tapped into and and then tomorrow I'm going into the office to sort of see what it's like and I'm a little I'm a little nervous because I'm like what if it what if I don't feel the creativity and the inspiration in that environment that's totally understandable and you know and, and that's where I think we need to start seeing shifts in our our office environments because, and this is actually where you asked earlier about biophilic design, and um, you know, I didn't I didn't get to touch on that much, but this is like a perfect segue because biophilic design really is all about how we are communing with nature, because as humans, we need nature to survive and we need nature to thrive. So I actually find it so fascinating that you chose like that picture of Ireland's right behind you, you know, and it's, and it's, there's a lovely, you know, little landscape there. Um, for us, we need to be able to see and feel nature in order to feel our best. And that's where office, like traditional office spaces are lacking, where it's fluorescent lights the cubicles everywhere. Um, you know, you have the coveted window offices that, you know, only a select few really get to benefit from. Um, that doesn't serve us in terms of our health and well-being well. And really it can even impact our productivity. So it actually, it's it's been so funny to hear about how people have 
felt more productive working from home or not. And I think it totally does depend on your individual circumstances. Like 1000% we're all different and we all have different circumstances in our lives. Um, but I will, I'll, I'll be curious to see what you think once you do get back to the office, because you've been able to curate a space where like, I see you have like your, your fireplace, you know, <laughs> TV in the background and stuff. You're, you're cultivating the elements of fire. Your, your desk is made of wood. It's, it's not some plastic you know, desk that you're having to sit, sit at. And you may have a certain view within your home that actually brings you joy instead of you have your cubicle. Right. You know what I mean? I see so, water out the window. Yeah. Like I can see, a, oh, I can see the, the Puget Sound. I can see the mountains in the distance. And so <sighs> all of those elements. That makes a huge difference. Come into my everyday. Oh, that's, that's incredible. Like that, what a, what a gift that is for you being able to, to be immersed in nature, even while you work. Right. Right. Because that makes to me. And I I think to so many, you know, for those who practice feng shui or biophilic design, um, because really like biophilic designs, like the more for like the science and data driven people, <laughs> which I which I love where it's like, show me the numbers, right? Um, because there have been countless studies of how nature impacts, say, patients within a hospital and their healing time. How long do they stay in the hospital? Um, and I we need to do the same for us in our homes and our workspaces. And feng shui you know, again, we, we focus on the balance of the elements within a space, you know, and how, how are the elements supporting you and your elemental makeup? Because we do have, um, you know, this balance of yin and yang energy within us. We, in the elements represent the, the yin and the yang, um, you know, like wood and fire are, are yang. It's that active passionate energy, the momentous energy. Mm -hmm. That's the Leo in me. (laughs) Oh, there you go. Perfect. And it's so funny because wood, wood feeds fire. Yep. So, so how interesting that you, that you, you had this desk where you're like, I I need this wood desk Mm -hmm. to help support and fuel me. Right. And and fuel the things that I'm doing to essentially earn and, yes. and and stay relevant and stay alive and stay healthy. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So the five elements you had mentioned are wood, fire, earth, that it, earth, metal, yep. and water. Do I have that? Yes. Right? Okay. Yes, that is correct. Okay. That is correct. So, and I'll say this. So, yeah, wood and fire are the young. They're, they represent the young. Um, earth is actually a balance between yin and yang. So it's, it encapsulates both and then metal and water represent the yin. So it's more that receptive, intuitive, passive energy. And what I think is so important within our spaces is that we need to make sure we're balancing both because if we were to have a fully yin environment, we wouldn't be able to get anything done. And then if we had a fully yang environment where it's just like so overwhelming, 
that you never, you never had a chance to rest, like that's going to, to deplete your resources. So making sure that you are balancing all of those facets is incredibly important to just being able to, to thrive and, and be healthy and to ensure that your home is, is healthy and thriving in and of itself. Yeah, I'm curious, like when, when you work with clients and because the home is such a sacred space, um, mm-hmm. and if we even think about the concept of spring cleaning, right, we're now yes. in like, we were originally going to connect, uh, you know, right after the vernal equinox and the power of spring. And, you know, we're now we've got Aries mm-hmm. energy and all this other stuff coming at us. I think back to, um, when I was a kid and we would do the spring cleaning, we would move furniture around, right? We would say, well, let's try this or let's design this. And I never really understood where that came from, but I think there's there's an innate sense of, like you said, curiosity mm-hmm. and and newness and people want to to welcome in a new energy. So I'm curious right. when people when you work with people mm-hmm. who may be doing this for their home, now their office and their home. Yes. Does it ever present a challenge between members of the household, for example? Like there might be one person who says, I see the need for this. I see why we need to redesign. I, I see why we need to shift our perspective, maybe incorporate some of the elements. Is there ever another person in the household, maybe a spouse or a child or even an, a, you know, a, a grandparent who mm-hmm. says, please don't change anything? And if so, how do you balance that? That is such a good question. So it's so funny. I, my clients, typically, the clients that I have will, usually some person's like the spearheader where they're mm-hmm. like, yes, we're going to do all these things. And the other person's like either indifferent or just like, okay, I'll go along with it. Okay. <laughs> that typically is the case. But if there, there, I have certainly heard of cases where, um, you know, there may be one person who's like, you know, no, no, we're not going to change anything. And that's where having conversations is so important. And really, you know, this is where my my coaching, you know, aspect kind of comes into play. I mean, of course, I I think being ready, like you, you have to be in that framework to, to make change. Right. But being able to see the why you may need to make a change is so important. So, you know, as I mentioned before, our homes are meant to evolve with us. Like as humans, we are continuously evolving, but sometimes our homes are kind of put on the the back burner of that evolution. And where we see this represented is in the clutter within the things that we keep. And, A lot of the times, like, so closets, for example, the storage spaces, you can look at those as the subconscious baggage that we're not wanting to look at right now. It's like, I don't want to deal with this at this moment. I'm going to put it in here, (laughs) you know, and, um, but at the same time, it obviously, of course, serves a purpose, but taking stock of our homes and looking to see, are these items, is this telling the story that I want to be creating going forward? Mm -hmm. Is this what, you know, is this representing an old chapter that just, it's not relevant. And like, you know, if you hold said item, let's say, 
where you're just like, yeah, this doesn't, you know, let's look at Marie Kondo. Does this bring me joy or not? Like, what does this bring me? Do I feel burden? Do I feel guilt? Do I feel shame? You know, do you feel shame? Mm -hmm. All of those things, like it's recognizing the innate energy that are the items within our homes hold makes a difference in our evolution and in co-creating the reality that we want to be living in. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think the compassion piece. So not only the curiosity, but the compassion piece, like we have to have compassion for ourselves. We have to understand that. Yeah. It's, you know, it's okay that maybe in the past we've, we've wanted to hold on Mm -hmm. to certain items because they, you know, they represent, you know, a certain facet of ourselves or a certain person. Um, And it, and, that's okay. It's a part of the the human journey. But then it's a matter of revisiting to say, does this serve me? So coming back to what you noted before about if people, you know, if you have maybe like a resistant person in the household, having the conversations is like the first step to just say, you know, hey, this is this is why I want to do this. You know, I'm noticing that this aspect isn't like serving me anymore with where I want to go. And, you know, and then seeing if the other person will maybe, maybe they can start to like understand your point of view and and maybe even move to the place of, all right, like I'm open. Mm -hmm. I'm curious because if you're, if you're, you know, in the defensive judgmental phase of, um, or like in the eventual mood, if you will. Yeah. That's, that's not going to bear fruit, but when you can at least get to curious, that's where the magic happens. And I think there's also like an honoring that happens. I mean, that's one of the Mm. things that I find really powerful about that exercise of going through and asking yourself, does this serve me? Does it bring me joy? If the answer is no, it doesn't mean that it didn't hold some level of sacredness at one point. And you can still honor that. You can honor the past of something. You can honor what it brought you in the past. Absolutely. And to your point around evolution and growth, um, you can have the compassion to say, I'm growing, I'm changing, yeah. I'm learning. And I can honor what was once and I can set it free um, yeah. without betrayal, right? You're not betraying anything. You're actually honoring all that it gave you, all that it brought to you, you, you became a better person because of it. Um, it held the importance it needed to during the time of your life that you needed it. And now you're evolving and growing. So I do think that yes. aspect of honoring is something that I've, I think the compassion is, is rooted in that for ourselves and for others and for objects, like honor the object and, and, and right. Give gratitude. It, thank it. Give gratitude. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's, that's also where you, you actually generate a lot of space mm. because you, when you, when you free up something and you thank it and you honor it, as you were describing it, it gives you almost a revival to create or co-create or curate something Absolutely. because you've got more canvas to work with and you've got more creativity to tap into. Um, I'd love for you to share a couple of resources. I know when we chatted 
originally you talked about a couple of, I think there might be an international guild. There's, mm -hmm. there's some, you know, I would say sort of bodies of, I don't want to call them governance, but, but resources that people can, can learn about or, or discover maybe for themselves as they're reaching out to you and others to say, you know, where can I go to find out more about the elements or the guilds or, or what's it, what informs a lot of this really powerful intuitive work? Are there some of those resources that you can share with folks who may be listening and super tuned into what we're talking about? Oh, absolutely. So, um, well, first I'll note that on my, my website, you know, I do have, um, I put out certain blogs and, and, and videos. And so you can go to natalielabonte.com to, to find some resources there. Um, you know, I would recommend for, for at least a, another website, the International Feng Shui Guild. Um, and I believe it's IFS guild.org. Uh, right now, I can't quite remember, but even if you just Google it, it will come up. Um, you know, there are some incredible, incredible resources out there to be able, you know, discover what are the five elements, you know, what, what are, um, you know, just some of the feng shui basics of, of, you know, looking at yin and yang and um you know how how can we align our homes with with good fortune i think there's so much on that site and then i would even say you know there's plentiful books out there um but you know one that's coming to mind right now is decorating with the five elements and that's by um tisha morris she actually was my uh teacher when i became certified in, in feng shui um and then actually there's another book that I love and it's right next to me, but um, it's interior design with uh, feng shui and that's by Sarah Rossback, I believe. Um, yeah, there's just, there's a, a, a fountain of, of, you know, books out there, uh, thought leaders. I mean, you know, with feng shui, it's, it's such an incredible tool and, and um, there's so many variations to it as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you'll, you'll find people who, you know, practice it in a different way. And um, yeah, I, I tend to be one where I'm like, you know, I like to work in the gray and, and nice. like to say, I don't, I don't, I don't know, um, you know, all the things. So let's, let's see what, what the home wants to tell us. Yeah. What, is there something new to learn here? Well, and one of the things I think was really fascinating when you and I connected and I did a little bit of research, you shared with me kind of how this, how this work came about. And it was really about, you know, understanding and using these elements to, um, to cite auspicious, uh, excuse me, yeah. auspicious lands for the emperors, right? Was, yeah. was basically to be able to deduce yes. what might be the most fertile, generative, uh, uh, you know, producing lands for emperors. Is that right? That is, that is correct. Yes. So yeah, I mean, Feng Shui is thousands of years old mm -hmm. and that was exactly the, the origin point mm -hmm. of it, which was looking at, you know, certain landscapes and seeing, oh, this type of landscape is actually more auspicious compared to, you know, one over here. And it's so true because how many of us have like maybe driven by a home where you're like, why was that built there? Mm -hmm. you, you just, you can already sense, like, you know, 
maybe there shouldn't have been a home built there. Right. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Um, and then there's other places where you're like, oh, wow, like that home just seems so welcoming and nourishing, like just seeing where it is within, you know, on the land and, oh, there's a stream nearby and, oh, there's a, a gentle slope, you know, right behind the home or, you know, there's all these different facets, but um, it's it's quite remarkable to see how the land around us really, really impacts us. I mean, truly. So that's another aspect of feng shui is connecting with the, your environment, the land, right. and seeing how is it supporting you. Yeah. And that relationship with the land, you know, connecting with the land, understanding the resources. I mean, it kind of goes back to, I, I didn't even know I was doing it right, but I clearly was drawn to a wooden desk for yeah. the elements of you know, <laughs> live in the Pacific Northwest and you know, thinking about the natural area that you're in and having the the items and mm-hmm. the belongings and the space around you reflect the gifts that that land can give you. I think that's pretty powerful. Um, one last Absolutely. comment I, w- I will share with you, and I'm curious if you've seen it yet. I just watched with my uh, godson the, the new Disney movie. It's called Raya and the Last Dragon. Have you heard of it? I have not heard of it. Okay, so I'm going to encourage you to watch it for the reason being that as I was watching it, I feel like there were lots of um, sort of, if, if I were to guess, there's there's moments in there that I think given your, your background and what you've studied, I think you're going to see certain things in there because they, they use the elements in a certain way. I think things are designed in a certain way that the animations were drawn. I'm just curious to see if there are things that jump out to you given you know, the way you know the world, the way you've studied the world, it was beautifully done. It was very, very well done. But now that we're having this conversation, I'm going back and thinking, oh, yeah, I mean, I think they (laughs) wove in a lot of what we're talking about into the animation of this film. That's so amazing. It was a beautiful film, really, really well done. But what's standing out to me is I was like, oh, the five, the five dragons, the five elements. I'm like, there's all of these... (laughs) There's all of these similarities as we're describing. So I'd be curious uh, to get your thoughts if you if you get an opportunity to watch it. Absolutely. I, I'm going to have to look that up. Is it on Disney Plus? It's on Disney Plus, yep. All right, yep. all right. I'm going to have to take a peek for it then. Um, well, this was really, really an awesome conversation. I thank you so much, Natalie, for sharing um, the great work you do. Where can people... Uh, find you. You mentioned your website if you want to just repeat yeah. it again. Um, and then so that people can connect to you if, if this kind of resonates with them. And I think there'll be a lot of people who now we're, you know, we're all working from home and people kind of figure out, <laughs> do I go back to the office? Do I not? It's probably a good opportunity for you to reach out to somebody like you and say, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. What what uh, insight can you give me? So yeah, I just want to make sure you share that with uh, some of the listeners. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I I love doing virtual um, consultations, which are great for, you know, like one room. So if it was like your office, that's perfect. Um, So you can reach me um, at my website. So natalielabonte.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at nataliejeanlabonte. Um, it's Jean like the blue jeans. So those are those are my hot spots. I'm also on uh, Facebook as well for my my business page. That's also at Natalie Jean Labonte. And I just would be love to help anyone who's you know curious, ready to explore how they can you know really connect with their space in a much 
deeper, intentional way than they, they may have before. So thank you so much, Bill, for having me. This has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for sharing. And I appreciate the, uh, the knowledge, the wisdom, the passion, the curiosity um, to allow people to kind of, you know, think about what changes they can make um, in, in, in their life and in their home and in their working world. So thank you. Absolutely. Thank you.